Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True Crime New England. What's up, everybody? Hello. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you for joining us for the whopping episode 92. We're getting very dangerously close to 100, in which I may be ill. Violently (laughs) ill. That's a large number. Isn't that crazy? I can't believe it. And it comes out like right after our two-year anniversary. It's pretty awesome. So big things, you guys. Very exciting. Today's episode is also very exciting. So definitely stick around for that. It's obviously very sad, but it has, a, I think, probably the most unexpected twist of any cases we've ever covered. And lore, I cannot wait for you guys to hear this interesting, fascinating, bizarre, un- expected twist of let's just just stick around when i was doing the research i was like okay it's a a standard murder case no it's awful it's It's really sad sad. the victim is young yeah which is always really hard and then as i was finding more information really the only thing that my mind could form Mm -hmm. a thought that my mind could form was Wow, you really can't make this shit up. Literally. That was what and that's I, your that, catchphrase. That's you can't make this shit up. That's what I say all the time. And this is like, you really cannot make this shit up. <laughs> it is very bizarre. Yeah. After the fact, of course, we'll talk about her, the murder of the, you know, well, the title. And then it just it's just crazy. So stick around. Before we get into that though, it's about that time where we round up our last swear jar totals and man just like the case today is there an interesting twist this was round six of our donations to different charities for a swear jar for those of you who maybe are just tuning in every 10 episodes katie and i total the amount of time that i'll give you a free one we say fuck and after we total it up we donate it to a specific charity that we pre-decide and Mm -hmm. we talk about so we've donated to the new england innocence project we've donated to bridget's house of hope which is a shelter in new hampshire we've donated to beyond the rainbow fund which is a cancer donation organization in honor of my grandmother who is the reason why we have this swear jar Mm -hmm. because she just loved hearing me say fuck all the time sorry grammy (laughs) so we do a lot of it we're having a lot of fun donating this round is going to the prisoners legal services of massachusetts Woo! they have basically to give you guys a little summary of what they do they have different pillars of things that they ensure for prisoners so prisoners they often don't get good health care solitary confinement is horrific Mm -hmm. Conditions in prisons are horrific, and they do a really good job of providing legal services to prisoners. Great. No matter what the prisoner is in prison for. Right. These guys, you know, they could face atrocities in prison. Honestly, human rights violations. Yeah. Horrific things in prison. So these guys provide them with legal services mm-hmm. and they're a really important organization. So we are very excited to be giving them some cash money. Yeah. And Katie, I just, I just want to hear you say <laughs> the breakdown. I would actually really like, you usually announce it anyway, but yeah. I just want you to do it louder today. Yeah. So if you guys have been following along for rounds one through five, Liz. You usually carry us with the F words. Kind of like a lot. 
more than you. You there's been a couple where you have just blown me out of the water. Yeah, it's <laughs> very words. embarrassing. This one I will say the total for you, Liz, you said fuck. 22 times. 22 guys. Over 10 episodes. Can you believe it? Oh, geez. No, this is a big deal. <laughs> and you'll know that this is even a bigger deal. I feel like I'm talking to all you guys, like, real excited. I said fuck. <laughs> An unprecedented win here. 26 times. I beat you, Liz. This has never happened. It's before. never happened, and it's going to keep happening. We've come close. Yes. But you've always, at the last second, said one or two more. In fact, there were several episodes where I said none. Yeah. And you had a few. It was great. <laughs> I felt liberated. Oh, my God. Episode 89, I said it five times. <laughs> so funny. How many times did I say it in that one? Four. Oh, that is There good. were some where you said none, and I was just F-bombing left, right, and center. Welcome to my world. So, for the Prisoners Legal Services of Massachusetts, we have raised a total of $48, which it's only fair we rounded up to 50 Yep. But yeah, we will be giving them some cash money that we have earned. And you guys, if you feel as though you guys want to research more about them, what they do, what their beliefs are, what they stand for, and you feel as though that's something that you would like to donate to as well... Of course, we highly encourage that. Yeah. We talk about bias of coffees a lot on here, but honestly, if you guys are choosing between, hey, maybe I'll donate to a swear jar cause from True Crime New England, or maybe I'll buy them a coffee, donate to the swear jar cause. Absolutely. Let us know if you donate. We would love to just for our own curiosity. And we'll be back in an episode or two with the cause for our next swear jar bath. We're going to do a little research and get a good one. And if you guys, you listen to this and you have any ideas, please send them our way. DM us on Instagram, truecrimene. You can send us an email, truecrimene at gmail.com. You can go on our website, truecrimene.com and send us on our handy dandy submission tool. Send us some ideas. New England, please, if you can. Yeah, I know it'd be really cool if it was related somehow to true crime. I feel like all of the ones that we have done have related to either the podcast mm -hmm. or to true crime in some way. Absolutely. And I also want to give a little shout out to a lovely listener, Janice. Yeah. Janice, you always got a kick out of when Liz would say the F word <laughs> and then be like, sorry, Grammy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Janice, we also did the swear jar because of your idea. Yes. So we just wanted to say that Janice and her girlfriend, now fiance, oh. Ashley, are engaged and they set a wedding date. Very exciting. So congratulations, you guys. Yes, that's great. So exciting. I'm so happy for you guys. Maybe you guys can walk down the aisle to an episode of True. No, just oh, <laughs> how romantic. You know what? Having met Janice just once, she would. Yeah, that'd be awesome. She's a big fan. <laughs> awesome. She's a great supporter. Yeah, and Janice got Ashley to listen to, and Ashley, they actually both bought us a coffee, or several coffees, a couple weeks ago. So <sighs> we love you guys. We know that the podcast itself is close to your hearts, and you guys are close to us. So we just wanted to say congratulations. Yes. Give you guys a little celebratory shout out. Janice, good job on recruiting another listener. You're a real <laughs> one. This is your wedding gift, Janice. Don't expect it. No, just kidding. Just kidding. No, I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's good. But for real, guys, just keep up with our swear jars. If you have any ideas, definitely let us know where we should maybe donate to next. Getting right back into the shittiness of true crime. This case was suggested to us by actually two people, which we love. Yeah. We love when you guys have similar brainwave connections and send us cases. Yeah. 
Lindsay V via email, and Greg H via website submission tool. Thank you so much. Very excited. It's a very interesting case with, again, with some really weird twists and turns. Yeah, so thank you guys so much. And Greg H., thank you for utilizing our handy-dandy website submission tool. We love it. Love that. Love it. We've gotten a lot of people using it lately, and I just love it. We write down every suggestion. Some people will just send us nice things, which is really sweet, and I love it. I will say, you guys, we are able to reply to you on our social media, email, of course. We are actually not able to reply to you guys if you guys use the website submission tool. So don't feel as though we're ignoring you. We see it. We see it. We love it. We appreciate it. I check it all the time. I check it all the time, too. And it's so nice that my little outro about the handy dandy submission tool is not being ignored. Yay! Thanks, guys. Yay. And so I think it's probably about time we get into our our episode. And without further ado, today we will be covering the murder of Deandra Fiorucci. All right. Just because it is episode 92 does not mean we are going to change from our normal routine. Katie, please, what do you have for sources today? I have Case Law Access Project, which was honestly a bulk of my information. They were fabulous. Yes. Anything with case, anything with law in the title. New York Post. And not my usual forte, but they did unfortunately have some good information. Fox News. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that because I also felt similarly. Mm-hmm. I I also used the Case Law Access Project, my favorite. I also used our friend Law Justia, another favorite. I did disgustingly use Fox News, but only because it was a decent source. I used Find a Grave. LC Sun, The National Post, and CNN. I was like digging and digging and digging, and I just kept adding on. It was kind of entertaining. I couldn't stop myself. Yeah, this is a good one. There's a lot. So, Deandra Fiorucci. Unfortunately for the story, Deandra was only 15 at the Mm -hmm. time of this incident, which is heartbreaking. She was born on September 21st, 1985 in Berlin, Vermont. Her parents were Mickey and Janice. And there is so little information on her life that I I thought her parents at least should be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Like I said, she was 15 at the time of this incident, and she was also a sophomore at Spalding High School. She worked as a special event assistant in the Berlin Mall, where she actually worked alongside her mom. Family and friends describe her as fun and boisterous. She loved music and dancing, as well as rollerblading, spending time with her friends, and also poetry. And I love the idea of her loving rollerblading. That is so 2000. I love it. It's just so cutie. It's innocent. Yeah. She's a kid, which is so sad. And that's, I mean, that's really the bulk of it. Yeah. The only other thing that did show up a few times and, you know, not necessarily corroborated, but it's pretty good evidence is that. At this time, she had been getting into drugs and perhaps the wrong crowd, which is really unfortunate because she was, you know, a loving friend. She had a very good talent for writing poetry, you know, and everything had been going so well with her. And then suddenly it wasn't so much. Right. She was skipping school all of a sudden and she kind of developed a reputation for skipping school and drug abuse. Yeah. Which is really sad. I feel like 15 is so young. It's so young. She had just started her sophomore year of high school at Spalding High School in Bar, Vermont, and this puts us 
to October 25th, 2000. Deandra went to school that day with a note from her mom saying that she was to be excused from school for a doctor's appointment at 11.30 a.m. That day at school, she also had a friend from another school there shadowing her, which I feel like that's not that common these days no. just because of school security, and we'll get into that part as well. But Yeah, no. I feel like... I'm not sure if it was part of a, a – I've heard of some schools doing programs yeah. where they swapped students from a yeah. different school to a day in the life of a student at this school right. versus theirs for a project or something. Or if that student was potentially going to transfer over to that school, right. they could shadow. But right. really not common these days for that. I just wanted to note, just out of – like, I was reading this and I was like – I probably wouldn't have my friend shadow me on a day where I was going to leave for a few hours to go to a doctor's appointment. I just thought that was very bizarre. Right. I wonder if it was just shitty timing. It might have been. Like pre-scheduled kind of thing. Yeah. Which is, you know, whatever, but. And I was thinking, too. I was like, oh, Deandra had a history of skipping school. Yeah, okay. Her mom definitely wrote her a doctor's note. We've all done that trick. No, she genuinely had a doctor's yeah, appointment. Yeah, right. Yeah. Genuinely. Her and her friend actually left school for the appointment. Mm-hmm. A man named Donald Baumgartner entered the school and asked someone in the main office if Deandra was there. He was told he could leave a note for her, and he filled out a student memo form before leaving the building. Which I, I don't think we really – we – if you came into, like, our high school when we were in high school, and you, you did have to go through main office and you weren't allowed – like, you had to be buzzed in, there was no such thing as a note slip – like that like you couldn't leave and you could leave a uh, information i think but you couldn't fill out it like a te- it almost is like a, a written text i feel like yeah very weird you definitely didn't do that when we were in high school in like 2014 2018 ish no and you would not have been able to and i really think doing this research was wild to me because I, it's only the year 2000 and a, a grown man is waltzing into the school mm-hmm that is something that we really never experienced. No. no. Especially these days, they're they're locking down schools more with all the school shootings. And Absolutely. You do not want a, a stranger off the street walking into school and asking for a student. You do not want that. Right. And you have to figure, too, this is about a year and a half after Columbine. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think tensions were heightened. So it's interesting that he kind of just was like, yeah, I'm here for Deandra. Blah, blah, blah. And they were like, leave her in now. Yeah, I wonder if that was them stepping it up. It could be. And being like, we're not going to tell you where she is or if she's even in the building. Right. You can leave her a note and we'll deliver it and you can leave. Right. Which, I mean, better than nothing, but... That's a good point. After he left the building, the assistant principal saw Donald enter the school again, but this time through the entrance of the school's vocational center at the back of the building. That is so sketchy. That is sketchy. And kind of scary, too. You're thinking of Columbine at that point? Right. Does that mean anybody could just waltz in through the back door that was left unlocked? Right. When the assistant principal asked Donald why he was still inside of the school, Donald said he was waiting to make sure his note would be delivered to Deandra. So creepy. Creepy. It's been like three minutes. Why do you think she's going to be... Why are you going into school? Are you going to find... you know she is? Or are you going to wait around and see if you can look in classroom doors and find her? That's creepy. The assistant principal then escorted Donald to the main exit, but as he was escorting him, the bell rang. This is like a high school rom-com. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Like, oh, 
uh, they're fighting in the hallway. You, you're in trouble. Get to, I'm going to take you to detention. And all of a sudden, ding, ding, ding. And all of a sudden, oh, blah, blah, blah. Kids are coming out of the classrooms. The doors are clinging. The backpacks are sweating. You know, and it's like, where'd he go? <laughs> like, it was perfect timing. Because the bell rang, the assistant principal obviously got distracted. And Donald was left alone and unaccompanied in the school. Yay. Donald was actually, to his credit, I guess, approaching the main exit himself when Deandra and her friend walked back into the school because they were coming back from her appointment. Like another teen movie. He's looking for them. He's leaving. Oh, they're not here. Right. And she's, la, 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 here I am. Another movie. It's like High School Musical, but with murder. Right. It is the worst timing. It's awful. Donald, of course, approached Deandra and her friend, and they all started talking. And then the assistant principal, who was looking for Donald, took notice, came over, and the first thing out of his mouth was he asked Deandra and her friend if the conversation they were having was friendly. Right. So this guy is suspicious of Donald. Just I would be, too. He's roaming the school. He's, I, we, and the thing is, we don't know how old he was, which is kind of shitty. But we can assume he was clearly out of place. He was not high school age, which is red flag central. Right. And clearly he drove a vehicle to get there. So he is not a teenager. He has his license. Right. And if he doesn't, right. If he doesn't fit in with the student body, if the principal was able to pick him out of the crowd, oh yeah, there he is. He's an adult. Yeah. Not okay. Deandra reassured him that the conversation was friendly and everything was fine, and the assistant principal told her and her friend to get to class and told Donald to leave the building. The assistant principal asked Deandra to check in at the guidance office first because she was coming back from an appointment, and she told him she had to get something out of her locker first. Deandra did not go to the guidance office. She did not go back to class. She did not pass go or collect $200. (laughs) Right. She didn't even go to her locker. No. She went out the rear exit, the same one that Donald had snuck into the building with. Yeah. And Deandra and her friend met up with Donald and walked away from the school. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, they might have had security cameras, but I don't think they were checked so regularly. I I think the assistant principal probably thought he solved it. And it looked like he had. You know, he had every reason to. Donald left. The girls were back safe in the school going back to class. I don't think he, I don't think he, I think he did the right thing here. Following up with this creepy guy. And even after the hustle and bustle of the sudden, the ring of the bell and the students are pouring out into the hall, he's still caught up with him. So I think there's nothing, he did everything right. And how would he have known, you know, that these two girls were going to ditch, essentially? Right, they just got back. Right. So, they simply walked away from the school. And it was here, in front of the friend, that Baumgartner told Deandra that an acquaintance that they had both known, Dana Martin, wanted to talk to her at his house. At his house. Okay, red flag. Deandra left her friend somewhere, like, on steps to wait for her to return, and then left with Baumgartner. And this was, like, 1230 in the afternoon. It was like one thirty ish when her friend, who we don't know her name, was left she was left sitting on those steps. She became worried because Deandra had not come back and it had been an hour. And she did, probably didn't have a cell phone, so she probably was just like, la la la. It wasn't her school. She probably didn't have homework. She was probably just there sitting, waiting, and then, 
you know, an hour goes by and where is this was not supposed to take that long, which is that I'm sure she had that weird gut feeling like, yep. oh, no, which is so awful. Oh, God. And how'd she even get there, too? Did they walk? Right. Did they get in his car because right. they're 15 and can't drive? Right. Like, it's not a good situation at all. No. At about 5 p.m. that night, that friend that had been left sitting on the steps and another friend of Deandra showed up to the Bar City Police Station and they reported her missing. The friends told police that Deandra went with Baumgartner to this Dana Martin's house around noon and then did not come back. There were also reports that have not been super backed up but are, like, potential uh, of her being seen in a red car. So I think maybe that, like you were saying, maybe they left in Baumgartner's car. The next morning, on October 26th, following the information that they were given by the teenage friends, the police arrived at Dana Martin's home. It's unclear exactly what happened, but over the course of the day, the police were able to break him down and get information from Dana. By the evening of October 26th, now a day after Deandra had failed to return to her friend on those steps, Dana Martin led police to a bridge in Plainfield, Vermont. It was here that Deandra's body was found, clearly thrown off the bridge. We don't really know much about the state of her body, where, like the loca- really the location, what her injuries were. All we really know is that the autopsy report stated that she had been sexually assaulted and then strangled to death with a paisley tie. Unfortunately, and there was some controversy with this, the medical examiners were unable to pinpoint an exact time of death. Later on, we learned that Deandra's mom actually sued the police station for not being able to pinpoint accurately her death. And if they had immediately gone to Dana Martin's house as soon as the friends had come and reported her missing like 6 p.m. on October 25th, could she have been alive still? Which, because they couldn't pinpoint the time of death, it's unsure, but it's certainly a possibility. Mm -hmm. It's still within like four or five hours of when she went missing. And unfortunately, still to this day, we don't know for sure if that would have been the case. But, I mean, that's pretty fair, like a sad argument. Like, maybe she's right. Dana Martin's trial happened in 2001 for the murder of Deandra. Like most very guilty and clearly psychotic killers, Martin represented himself. He actually, I think he testified and questioned himself as well, which is... Nah. They've, people have done that. And it's just as loony as it sounds. That's scary to me. That's almost like multiple personality disorder. Like, a little bit. It's kind of giving me those vibes. A little bit. Yeah. That being said, Martin actually pled guilty. So I don't know what the whole point was. And thus was sentenced to life in prison. Here's where it gets kind of fucking weird. This is where... We ask you to buckle your seatbelts and secure the vehicle. Yeah, if you're driving, don't pull over. Because <laughs> if you're exercising on like an elliptical, maybe turn down the speed a little bit. Because this isn't, I guarantee there's no way you guys will know where this is going. Hands and feet inside the ride at all times. Please and thank you. Almost 11 years later, in November of 2011... The plot thickens to involve none other than Justin Bieber. That's right. You heard it. The Biebs himself. Dana Martin 
who was now 45 years old, had met some friends in prison and concocted a plan of sorts. Yeah. Dana had actually wound up serving his life sentence that he received for the murder of Deandra in a prison in New Mexico because of an interstate agreement for relocating and providing housing to inmates. So, you know, people go to prison for all sorts of things. People go to prison for crimes they didn't commit. People go to prison with crazy sentences for minor crimes like right. nonviolent drug offenses. Right. Prisons get crowded pretty quick. Yeah. So it's not uncommon for someone who committed a crime in Vermont, served out the first part of his sentence in Vermont, to then be relocated hundreds of thousands of miles away if a prison had a bed for him there. Mm-hmm. Just to shuffle things around and make room. Yeah. So he is hanging out, getting some sunshine in New Mexico. While in prison, Dana met 41-year-old Mark Stake. Dana, I will mention had a tattoo of Justin Bieber on his leg and also had a very unhealthy, bordering on creepy obsession with Justin Bieber, who was 18 years old at this time. Yes. And I told you, Katie, I had full details on what the tattoo was. And I said, I would hi- I would wait and tell you live, live on the podcast. So yes, while in prison here in Las Cruces, New Mexico, Dana had... An MP3 player. You remember those? He was able to get one. Like, it was a prison-issued one. And he discovered Justin Bieber in that time. And he became obsessed. Like you said, he uh, had a tattoo of Justin Bieber's face on his calf. That wasn't the only part of the tattoo. True fans of Justin Bieber know that he grew to fame very quickly. His swoopy hair, his dreamy brown eyes. He always wore big sneakers and like purple and white. It was hot. Babes loved him. In addition to the face of Justin Bieber, he also had Justin Bieber's name. The date of February 11th, 2011, which of course, Katie, as you know, is the day his film Never Say Never came out. And also the title of the movie him itself. So he had this big old tat, just really into leaning into Never Say Never. Great album. Great song. I never saw the movie. I did not like Justin Bieber at this point. I thought he was annoying and I just wanted to be different from everyone else. <laughs> there is nowhere that you can like find this tattoo, but God, I want to see it. What is it? How accurate is the Biebs face? Right? Because if he discovered Justin Bieber while serving his time in prison, would that then be a prison tattoo? That's what I'm saying, right? So somebody Holy in prison shit. had to be like, yeah, I'll do it for you. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And here's here's some more information about the evolution of Dana's obsession. So, guys, Katie didn't – because I had different sources than you did. And I, like I said, I just kept going – this is what I found about Dana and his love for the beeps. Katie, do you remember in high school, I went through a really weird phase where I was obsessed with Ellen DeGeneres. Do you remember that? <laughs> do you remember? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I wore her sweatshirts. I remember this so well. <laughs> I went as her for Halloween. <laughs> Freshman year of high school. Everyone thought I was gay. Understandably, because... Ellen is historically very gay. Um, But 
I used to love Ellen. I just thought she was a real good feel, feel good person. You know, she has great, you know. Dana had learned that Ellen, talk show host, famed talk, talk show host, was good buddies with the Beebs. And so he thought if he sent her dozens of letters that were addressed to Justin Bieber, she <laughs> would pass them on for him. I'm dead serious. For whatever reason, I don't know why, Justin Bieber's album, Believe, turned the tables for Martin. That was it. He went from being a cutesy teen, oh my god, bubblegum popping, oh my god, to a Ferrari driving, stuck up man. And Martin didn't like that. He liked the innocent little bees with the, hey girl. Now he was getting a, you know, DUI arrest and that wasn't okay for Martin. He was beginning to grow resentful to Bieber. And in his own words, he hadn't gotten a a single response from his letters, which is rude. He'd sent something like dozens to to Ellen to then be the middleman to send to Justin Bieber, (laughs) of course. He also was put off by the fact that Bieber was gifted a $230,000 Ferrari by his manager, despite always promoting the importance of staying humble. (laughs) I'm serious. This is like quoted stuff. He was like, he changed. It's like, what? He's, first of all, he's growing in the eyes of the media. He's a kid. He, he's what received an amazing gift. You can receive that amazing gift and still be humble. I don't know. That, that's honestly, I am so glad that we're not famous because I feel like I would fear for my life every single day. Right? Because there are crazy people like Dana Martin who convince themselves that they have developed beyond a parasocial relationship and that they're best friends and they're soulmates and they have a connection. And it's, and I wonder too, if when Justin Bieber was growing up and he had just turned 18 Mm -hmm. and he clearly is doing more mature adult things because he's an adult. Right. And we know that Dana is a pedophile Right. For what he did to 15-year-old Deandra, clearly he was having those pedophilic urges because he loved Justin Bieber because he was a child. Right. And he was put off by Justin Bieber becoming an adult. Really? Really? Because he's a pedophile and he does not like adults, even though Justin Bieber was just freshly 18 years old. Right. That was too much for him. And that is disturbing as fuck. Very. Before this incident that we're about to talk about happened... Martin was getting pissed that he was not hearing back from the Beebs. So he sent his middleman, Ellen, another letter, saying if he didn't get a response, he would, quote, do something nasty to Bieber. And during the height of his obsession, which, of course, he displayed his tattoos proudly, he then met with what you previously stated, Katie, his prison buddy, Mark Stake. They became besties for some fucking reason. I don't think it was because Mark liked the Beebs. I think it was just maybe just proximity. I don't know. In this article I did read, he said that he just lit, he just wouldn't stop talking and Stake just kind of sat there and like listened. Oh my God. And he sounded crazy is what he said. Interestingly enough, Mark was released from prison in October of that year, 2011. So I think our friend Dana Martin was like, wait a minute. I need to enlist your help. And boy, did that, did that plot not only thicken, but it exploded into the weirdest thing I've ever read in my life. Allegedly. 
Dana had enlisted Mark to commit four murders when he was released. The murders of two people in Vermont, Justin Bieber's bodyguard, and Justin Bieber himself. What? His best buddy? The love of his life? What was he going to do if this plan worked? Would he, would he have gotten his tattoo covered up? Like I don't know. That's a good point. Would he have put the date of his murder below? Like, I don't... That's a good point. Jesus. You... Clearly, mentally compromised, as evidenced by his murder and sexual assault of Deandra. Right. We're just seeing that play out even further. Yes. Mark Stake had his nephew, 23-year-old Tanner Ruin, assist him with the plan. They were going to go to one of the Bieber shows at Madison Square Garden. Not at all busy or security-filled. At all. Not one of the biggest venues, most popular venues in America. Right. With the most popular at the time, pop singer. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, they could just sneak right in. Easy. Easy peasy. It's child's play. They were enlisted to castrate Justin Bieber. Yeah. And cut off his testicles for the price of $2,500 each. But they were instructed specifically to castrate Justin Bieber after they strangled both the Biebs yeah. and his bodyguard with none other than a paisley tie. Does that, that sound familiar to you guys? Does that ring any alarm bells? Mm. The title of this episode, The Murder of Deandra Fiorucci. Oh, yeah. Wait, what? Strangled to death with a paisley tie. Yes. Oh, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so messed up, too, because he instructed them to use pruning shears to castrate Justin Bieber. Just did a full body shudder at pruning shears. It makes my invisible testicles cringe. <laughs> like, that's so... Oh, Lord, no. Oh, guys. Oh, if you have real testicles, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Because I just felt that in a place that doesn't exist for me. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Pruning shears. Those are sharp. Mark and Tanner had gone to Vermont after Mark was released, as planned. And were both caught on November 19th, just six miles from the Canadian border. Authorities were tipped off by authorities in New Mexico that were aware of the situation because Dana let them know. <laughs> he ratted on himself and his buddies who were literally, they found pruning shears on Mark's stake. Yeah, they were literally, he was caught with pruning shears. <laughs> that was this idiot. That was step one of the plan. Acquire pruning shears. Well, get out of prison and then acquire pruning shears. Right. right. Also, one of the reasons why they were caught and stopped is because Stake actually took a wrong turn while driving and accidentally, instead of going towards where he, his destination, he got towards Canada, stopped by customs. They checked out his ID and found out he had an outstanding warrant. And so they were like, um, and they searched him. They found the pruning shears. They let his nephew go because he had, no, you know, he had nothing on him. The next day he called his buddy Dana and was like, oh man, you're never going to believe this. And it was a re recorded phone call. And even though Stake had been arrested and was now apprehended, don't worry. 23-year-old Tanner Ruane would, he'd do it. He referred their code word for the Beebs and the bodyguards was the dogs. And he he would absolutely still castrate whoever he needed to for him. 
somehow, neither of the two henchmen were charged in any regard relating to this murder plot. Maybe because nothing happened, I don't really know. But Martin later pled guilty in New Mexico to criminal solicitation to commit first-degree murder. A day later, Tanner was caught at a gas station in Rotterdam, New York, by New York State Police, who had also been tipped off. So I will say, he made it pretty far. He made it to New York. Yes, still not bad. Well, Vermont and New York are connected. Yeah, that's... But he was near the border of Canada. And also, he's a 23-year-old Dumbo. (laughs) Who was planning to castrate Justin Bieber. He made it to the state where the castration was going to happen. Like, that's... That is good... Good point. That's, that's further than Did he I... make it to Madison Square Garden? No. No. Would he have? No. But, you know, still crazy. Yeah, the burning shears. State police reported, quote, Troopers recovered tools and documents associated with the conspiracy while executing a search on Ruin's 1983 BMW. The documents included the identities of the intended victims, their family members, and their whereabouts. Yikes. That's legit. Yeah. Kristen Cashman, who is Tanner Ruin's mom and Mark Stake's sister, said that neither man actually intended on castrating nor killing Justin Bieber. Quote, This Justin Bieber thing, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. My son was not planning to kidnap or hurt anyone. He has nothing to do with any of this. This has got to be some crazy thing Dana Martin made up. Everything about it is made up. Explain the printing shears. Explain the documents. Why was he in New York? Why was he in New York? He just loves New York. Was Dana Martin absolutely batshit fucking crazy? 1,010%. Yeah. Did he become besties with your brother, Mark Stake, in prison? Yep. Yeah. Did Mark Stake enlist your sweet sunny boy, Tanner Ruin, to help him out? Uh, Yeah, Uh because he was making a beeline for Madison Square Garden, apparently. Explain that, Kristen. Yeah. Unfortunately for the world, but fortunately enough for this, the interest of this episode, Justin Bieber wasn't the last thing that happened uh, that I could find about Dana Martin and his plots. This one isn't as crazy as trying to castrate a Canadian pop star, but it's pretty bizarre nonetheless. In August of 2016, the courthouse in Bar, Vermont, received an envelope. Inside was white powder. Also, a note claiming that that white powder was anthrax. And if you guys don't know what anthrax is, it is, I mean, that is chemical warfare. It is something everyone is terrified of because it is a, like, neuromuscular, paralytic, like, it it will kill you just by being in the air. And in the early 2000s, a lot of, like, places of politics and, like, importance were receiving threats of anthrax filled letters so when the bar vermont you know courthouse received a envelope full of white powder with a note that said hey this is anthrax they were like the envelope was addressed it had you know it was addressed to the courthouse it had actually like a return address (laughs) which was a delaware prison which just so you guys know he was no longer he being Dana Martin, was no longer in Las Cruces, New Mexico. He had been moved to a Delaware prison. And my last, just, I, and it's just so bizarre because it's so random. Upon examination, and later a confession from our friend Dana Martin, the substance was actually just foot powder. And that's it. That's Dana, that's the last known thing I could really find about him. Uh, 
Obviously, he is a terrible monster for what he did to that little girl. She was a kid. He is very mentally ill. You mm-hmm. look at his pictures and, like, you, there's screws or there's no screws holding that. He's not right. And clearly he's, you know, he's evil. Planning to castrate Justin Bieber, who, arguably, one of the biggest pop stars of all time, also arguably... And unfortunately, I did grow to be fond of once I decided I didn't care that other people did or didn't like him. Uh, it just, it, he just kept going and the foot powder thing was so weird. I think he just liked doing things. And there was an investigator who was a part of, you know, an interview who said he was thinking maybe Dana had done this anthrax thing in an attempt to change locations again for his prison. Oh. Yeah. He was bored. He wanted to get back to Vermont, perhaps. No, he's just stupid. There's something. I mean, of course. Anybody that murders anyone, there's something not right upstairs. Right. This man, there's nothing right upstairs. Like that. Oh, my God. And I feel like it's really sad, too, because, of course, this is a huge part of the case. Right. This is the perpetrator of the murder of DeAndre Fiorucci. Right. It came up in the research. We had to discuss it. Over and over. Right. More than her murder. Exactly. My point is, you know, the first part of this case, awful, horrific. A 15-year-old girl was sexually assaulted, murdered, thrown off a bridge. Yeah. And then her perpetrator went on to make these batshit crazy, mentally unstable attempts at Justin Bieber's life. And, of course, everybody knows who Justin Bieber is. The circumstances around it, we can laugh about it, truly. We can laugh about these ridiculous attempts to try to get two men to do your handiwork and cut off Justin Bieber's testicles with pruning shears because it's so unfathomable. It really is. But it also really is sad that that part of the case really tends to overshadow Deandra Fiorucci, who is the original and really only victim of the whole thing. Right. It makes me sad. And honestly, we had to talk about the Justin Bieber thing. We love to laugh. Right. And make jokes. And humor is our coping mechanism. And we like to, you know, joke around when we can. But it's just definitely acknowledging the fact that the majority of the information, the majority of the research that came up when we did this case mm-hmm. was about Justin Bieber. It was not yeah. about a 15-year-old girl that had her life right. taken from her. Right, right. Which and, is unfortunate. Yeah. And there also really is not a whole lot about what happened with that Donald asshole no. who was roaming the school no. and brought Deandra to Dana. I, from what I understand, is that he was never, he always denied Mm. being involved in that part, and that Dana Martin actually also claimed that he was not involved, Hmm. which is interesting. Who could, he could be lying. I mean, his head is shaped like a bean. He (laughs) he probably is just full of shit, but as far as I know, Donald Baumgartner was never charged with anything. He definitely was investigated and questioned and stuff, but I don't think he was ever charged. And then, of course, you know, Dana Martin, he had to keep an eye out for Selena. And, (laughs) you know, I was waiting for a spot to put that in. And, guys, that's a reference from a Bieber song. It was a really funny joke. (laughs) And, again, we're laughing at Dana Martin. Absolutely. And this idiot. And we're not laughing at the fact that he brutally murdered an innocent 15-year-old girl. 
Right. And Deandra's mom, actually, I will say good for her because it's really hard to not settle into grief, the loss of your child, the murder of your child, especially when it's as brutal as it was. She turned her grief into anger and rage and being productive and trying to hold people accountable. She sued the school for how they handled it how that man was able to just waltz into the school multiple times, how her daughter was able to just waltz out of the school with him. She sued the police department for their mishandling. I mean, she was really trying to be a good advocate for her daughter. And for that, I really commend her. She did a good job. She She really, that's, I really commend. Yes. Hard. Yeah. I commend her because it's so hard when I can't even imagine losing a child, let alone in that manner. Right. She really was trying to do right by Deandra. Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, that is the very bizarre, awful, brutal, weird case of the murder of Deandra Fiorucci and her murderer, Dana Martin, a.k.a. Justin Bieber's number one fan. <laughs> and also big user of foot powder, I guess. We want to hear what you guys think about this case. Please let us know on our Instagram and Twitter, True Crime NE. All lowercase. Or you can send us an email at truecrimene at gmail.com. We, of course, have a website, truecrimene.com. We also, of course, have that handy-dandy submission tool. You've heard of it. I sure hope you've heard of it. If you haven't heard of it, go check it out and leave us your thoughts questions comments concerns about this case suggestions for cases based in new england please you'd like to hear us cover if you leave your name you will get a shout out at the top of the episode just like we did here thank you again our lovely listeners for suggesting this case to us it was quite the whirlwind to research yes you could also be anonymous if you so choose do not feel as though you have to get a shout out and all this attention and (laughs) do all these things if you have a case for us please send it our way We would love to hear your thoughts. We also would love if you could leave us a review and or a rating. Spotify has a rating tool. You could go on there and leave us stars. Most people do five stars, but to each their own. Most people, yeah. Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a star rating and or a written review. That is also a great way to let us know what you think about the podcast. Give us some constructive criticism or feedback if you feel as though it's appropriate. You could also do all of that good stuff on our website submission tool, our social medias, emails, all of that good stuff. But honestly, we appreciate any and all thoughts, any and all feedback. We will reply the best we can. And we love talking and chatting with you guys. And we love the fact that you are here with us. Uh, always. And at the end of the day, we're just thankful that you're here. You don't have to do any of that other stuff. You're just here. You're listening. You're crying with us. You're laughing with us. You're wondering where this obsession with Justin Bieber started with us. (laughs) And we just appreciate you guys so much. And with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.